Another edition of the Behind the U. Well, it's not another edition. This is a special one, dude, because we've got a we've got one of the first of Mario Cristobal's hires. We have the strength and conditioning coordinator, Aaron Feld, with us. And I want to start with this, Aaron. This is my first question to you, okay? Nah, you stole it from me. What up? <laughs> and I think that's more of a comment than a question. I know I don't know if it gets an answer out of that, but dude. Thank you for being here. We are looking forward to doing this. We're about to blow up the internet. Love it, man. Thanks for having me. My, of course. Now, of course, I, I know you've gotten an umpteen million questions about the mustache, okay? So I don't want to ask about the mustache. I want to ask about the mustache grooming and what that entails. <laughs> like when you wake up in the morning, it doesn't look like that. Who says? Or maybe it does. I don't know. You tell me. I'm uh, not there. You know, Clearly, I'm not there. So, so all right. This is a true story. All right. Um, so I told. So all right. The Coach Feld persona that everyone thinks that I am uh, is really kind of a brainchild of creation. My my wife really kind of made it happen. Um, I mean, I'm ridiculous in my own right, but she really helped kind of uh, shape that and mold that. I'm, I'm telling you that to say my wife is very involved in helping me um do this job because i mean i always say you know i didn't take the miami job we took the miami job i didn't take the the last job we we took that job. we moved across the country because we chose to like we wanted to it's not something i ever she doesn't follow me around she she kind of helps drive this thing uh and i'm saying that to say this um I, I i when we when we took this job and we started doing i was like god dang it i'm gonna have to talk about this mustache all over again and she said aaron don't forget it might be the 51st time that you've had a conversation, but for every fan you interact with, it's the first and possibly only time that you'll ever have that conversation uh, with them. And, and, and it was really profound because I had a bad experience with one of my heroes as a kid. And I'm not going to name names. It was a race car driver. Um, and um, it just, it was such a, like, it was just such a fleeting moment that he would never even remember if he was still alive today. Um, and, but it, it bothered me. It still bothers me about the, the little kid trying to high five you and you just like brush past him. And I'm like, man, if anyone ever felt that way about me, I'd, I'd never know, but like it would, it would just eat at me. And so like, I try to make sure that no matter what situation is, no matter how busy I am, no matter how stressed I am, like every interaction with fans or every interaction on a podcast or a media, whatever, it might be the only time don't ever interact with you so i just want to make sure that that those experiences are are solid for them so seriously what does it look like in the morning like what does it take to get that what is it <laughs> I, I, I thought i steered us away from it no no i'm good that's not this doesn't work that it doesn't work that like you know how you coach if someone gets a bad rep they gotta they gotta do it over right like so okay. you don't get to skate i have not touched this mustache since yesterday i woke wow. up this morning and I went to work. Now, that's not always the case. Sometimes if I sleep funny or if I drool real bad, like it'll be like <laughs> smushed up inside my face. Every now and again, it'll be like halfway in my nose. Um, so I use a wax. And I guess I could shout them out. I use a, yeah, a wax called Can You Handle Bar? They're a company based out of New York. Uh, and then there's another company called Death Grip Wax. I kind of do a little combo action. Um, I, I needed a wax that was strong enough to hold the curl and stand up terrain and whatever, but I also needed something in the middle that was pliable enough to reshape because when I eat, when I coach, when I blow in my whistle, getting like spittle everywhere, you know, need something that'll, that'll be manageable. But I, I do, I am a little bit meticulous about it at times. And so 
usually when I, I groom it, it'll, it, it'll last me a couple of days. Excellent. All right. And this is the last thing. And then we'll, I want to get into the good, the meaty stuff. So I was doing my research on this and I think it's January of 20. We're going back two years. You took the tape measure to it and that thing had a wingspan of like a foot, a full 12 inches. So it's like, <laughs> is that the person, is that the world, the personal Aaron Feld mustache world record? You know, it's funny. I measured it because it was the first time I, like, I was cutting it short. Like I was cutting it short. So I wanted to know how long it was. Uh, Cause I've trimmed, if you measured the amount that I've cut off this thing over the last few years, I probably cut three feet off of each side. Um, but I don't know what the longest it was. I don't think that was the longest it ever was, but that was just, I knew I was, cause that was when COVID hit and when I was having to wear a mask all the time. I was like, I can't do this. Like, I mean, this thing would be like plastered to my face. I look like Salvador Dali when it's stuck to the side of my face. Um, and so, yeah, that, that might, it wasn't the longest it ever was. Uh, but it, cause I had loops at one point I had loops that were like massive. I mean, they were, they were big. So I, have, I, you know, I, that might have to be the but, challenge this year. I mean, I might have to be the challenge this year, right? Just, oh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm about to, I'm about to trim it. I'm about to trim it right now. It's just, it, it starts getting thin, man. I lose hair. Like I stress, I, I yell, hairs fall out. It's crazy. All right. So, all right, let's get into, all right, let's get into the, the, the real reason why you are here, right? It's not because we're going to teach kids how to grow mustaches. Uh, and I mean, if they want to learn, I'll teach them. I'm sure they will. I'm sure they will. But I, I'm pretty sure Mario did not hire you to bring you down here for that. One stop bring- shop, full service. <laughs> Barbershop, weight room, the whole deal. Um, all right. So this is your deal, right? Like this, this season, this is your regular season, right? The off season is your season, so to speak. Um, so what I want to know is when you come into a program, right? New team, new players, new bodies, new everything. Where do you start? Man, the first thing is you got to learn people's names because, um, <laughs> and, and, and well, yeah, it, it's, it's funny, but it's also, uh, you want to lose, you want to, you want to offend somebody call them the wrong name. How do you like, how do you like being called, uh, Josh Barrow? Does that feel good? No, I'm not, but the about, fact that you got the Josh out was good. I'm good. Oh, I meant to say John. I thought it was John. See, yeah. how, how about that? See, how about that? I thought your name Aaron, was John. Well, Aaron, I called you. Yeah. Well, Aaron Fudd, this has been, this has been fantastic so far. Exactly. exactly. Well, <laughs> names are important. My last name is Feld, F-E-L-D. And I, yet again, I coach Chris Wells, got me on staff with Steve Field. And so that happens all the time, even when he's not on staff. Bro, people tweet at Steve Field all the time thinking it's me and vice versa. It's really annoying um, because my spelled and it's four letters it's really easy people add an s they add an i like it's like dude come on my name's spelled i say that to say names matter uh coach chris ball and i i mean there's been times where i've hustled through an excel spreadsheet like and i misspell people's names and he catches them immediately because he he knows everyone's name and he knows everything perfect i'm talking about even at the last place after i've been there for four years sometimes you misspell stuff he's like this is unacceptable you can't put this i mean names matter and so i felt that way before him um, but, but he's solidified that would be two names matter. So the first place is you got to learn people's names because you can't build a relationship with somebody if you don't know their name. All right. So that's first, because again, the first step is to build relationships with the guys. I told him the first day I was in the building, Hey, I can't tell you, I love you. Cause I don't know you. I mean, coaches come all the time. I love you guys, man. I love blah, 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 blah. like, I don't want to hear that crap, man. Like, I don't love these guys. I don't know them that well, but you know what? I'm starting to really appreciate some of these guys' personalities to appreciate some of their work ethic i'm starting to appreciate some of their humor and first part of part of love is appreciation when you start to appreciate people 
and you start to understand them, you start to really get to know them. And that's how that love and respect is developed. And so the first job of a strength coach is to come build relationships. Um, I told him I'm not coming in to replace anybody. I'm not going to throw away all the work they put in the last couple of years. I'm not coming in to say this was wrong and this is right. I'm coming in to, 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 to go where I know it works. Coach Cristobal and I have built a program. Uh, there's a blueprint and a DNA of success. It's been, it's been proven to work. It's replicatable. Um, and, and it and, and doesn't mean that we did in the past was wrong. It just means what we're doing now, we know it works. There's no question marks. This works. I was about to say a cuss word. This works. Okay. And there's, and there's no, cause you know why? Cause success leaves clues. If people ask me all the time, like if you had to if they say, sum up your job in one sentence, I study success. Success in the weight room, success on the field, success in the classroom, success in a, in, in a boardroom. All right. Success dealing with a minute. Like, look, I, I guarantee you, if you were to pull our administrators right now and say, do you like working with Aaron Feld? The answer would probably be no. It's not about like, but do they respect me and do I respect them? And do we work well together? Do we optimize every opportunity we have? Absolutely. But it's not about liking. It's not about doing what's fun and comfortable and easy. It's about doing the right thing for the players, for the program, whatever. And so that's what, I mean, that's, that's what it's all about. And the DNA of the blueprint that coach Cristobal has put together uh, and that I've helped him build, it's, it, it, it's, it's replicatable. And all you have to do is, is show these guys what the plan is and hold them to that. And if you do that and you do it with love and you do it with respect, then, and you teach them that, Hey, this is what needs to be done for success. Instead of making them do it. My job is not to make them do things they don't want to do. My job is to make them want to do things they didn't used to want to do period. So in terms of about where you start, though, right? So like if, if a coach was wanted to learn about his player group, he's going to put on the film, possibly, right? And watch, watch, you know, past games and get a better understanding of what's in my room or what's in my group or what's in my unit or Coach Cristobal, what's on my team. So as you begin to sh literally shape this team, where, again, where do you start? How do you prepare? How do you get an understanding beyond the names of the bodies, what needs to get done, the goals, et cetera? Like how? Because you, you, you're the first one in, working with them, and and okay, I don't. How long do we have? As long as you want. Well, I'm just saying. You just asked me a, a seven hour question, so um, the first like okay here. All right, let me let me take it. Let me take a deep breath. All right, when you're building a program, the first thing you have to decide is what's the goal. Where where is the program going? And from there, you work backwards. Okay, this is where the program's going. Okay, we want to have explosive athletes that have great discipline, great fundamentals, uh, ex extremely strong, great endurance. Like you want everything, all right? You want your cake, you want to eat it too. You want to put everything in, okay? And so what it comes down to is I don't, I, there's nothing, everything is a big thing. There are no little things. They're all big things. But so you start with where you're going. What's the goal? And you work your way backward. And you keep working your way backward until you get to stuff that the guys can already do, okay? For example, all right, uh, I want them to be extremely fast. Okay. What do you need to be do to be extremely fast? You need to be explosive or how do you be explosive? Well, the base fundamental uh, component of explosiveness or, or, or power is strength. So I got to get stronger. Okay. How do I get stronger? Well, I have to have a base level of cardio, uh, cardiovascular, cardiopulmonary function so that I can lift heavy weights because your heart rate and your lungs are going crazy when you're lifting heavy. I right, well, what do I got to do that? Okay. I have a, have a base level of fitness. Okay. How do I have a base level of fitness? Well, I got to move. Okay. How do I move? I got to, I gotta well, I gotta learn what movements to do. I gotta do the movements. I gotta well, what else do I need? Well, I need energy. 
energy. Okay, I need to eat food. I, my, my cells have to create energy. What do I need to do that? Oh, I need oxygen. Okay, I need to learn how to breathe. Okay, all these guys know how to breathe. They can breathe. Okay, I've gone too far now. Let's work our way back. Okay, you just keep working until you get to say like breathing, waking up, walking, like seeing, like those are the things that like you get to those fundamentals of everybody can do that. Okay, now what? Now, now let me kind of back up a little bit. Okay, I need to have twitchy dudes who have great hand-eye coordination. That's a that's a fundamental precursor to being a great football player. So like, I don't work with average humans. I don't work with the generic uh, everyday population. I learn, I work with like mutants. I work with creatures, like freak athletes. Um, all of them are that way. And so like the training doesn't look like you would think for a normal, a normal population. Like it's not, we're not building base strength. They already have that. We're not working on hand, hand eye coordination stuff, which yeah, there is a component to that, but like, that's like afterthoughts. We're like, we're taking dudes who already have way higher uh, strength, uh, strength to weight ratios, way higher, like neural connectivity, way higher, like proprioceptive properties. Like, we're, like it's just like freaky stuff. So I don't have to go back that far, but you start with where you're going and you work your way back until you find stuff that they already do well. Um, the cool thing is get over a team of guys that bend well, they have decent Olympic lifting technique, which is a fundamental base of our program. Um, it, you know, everybody's like, oh, are you, are you an Olympic guy? Or are you a, a hit guy? Or I'm a, I'm a whatever it takes guy. Um, but we do use Olympic lifting to kind of build a base of, of, of our program. And so most of these guys, they have great technique on their Olympic list. We don't have to teach a whole bunch of like rudimentary, like uh, remedial lifting techniques. They already do it. So I don't have to go back that far. So now we're focused on how do we create more explosive properties? How do we create, um, you know, more, more speed strength? How do we create more endurance in, in the high power output stuff like sprinting? And so like, that's where you start. You start with the goal and the end point and you work your way back until you run out of stuff to run out of stuff to teach them. So you did that in less than seven hours, bro. That's pretty good. Well, no, I, that was just speed. That was one, that was one component. I mean, I guess you're, you're, you always seem like you're having fun, but is there fun right now in the getting to know phase, right? Kind of getting guys out on the field, working with them, and then adapting to as you learn more about them day in, day out. I sat at Coach Cristobal's conference room table today, and I told him, he asked me if I was having fun. I told him, this last three weeks have been the most fun I've ever had in my professional career. I'm having an absolute blast. Two things that go into that. One, Training guys has been awesome. And two, uh, Coach Jeff Eaton, my right-hand man, he's an assistant uh, strength and conditioning coordinator. You want to talk about a guy who has just taken on this, this role and taken on the task at hand. Uh, I mean, he's solving problems before I even know about them. He's bringing, he's bringing us up to speed in areas that I can't, I don't have time to focus on. And it's allowed me to really have fun and enjoy what I'm doing. Uh, mark my words, Jeff Eaton will be one of the premier top strength and conditioning programs at a power five program in the, in the near future. I mean, he is absolutely phenomenal. I can't say enough good things about him, but without him and without the work that he's doing here, oh my gosh, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how this survived the last six weeks. I mean, he's just absolutely crushed it. But on top of that, he's a great strength coach. He's even better human being. Um, he's helped me fill this staff out. He's helped me interview everybody that we brought in. Um, and, and, and again, so I've had the most fun I've ever had in this, in this business in the last three weeks, uh, these guys, and it's, it's 100% of that, um, relies on the fact that he's done things that have allowed me to, to, to do the stuff that I need to do to enjoy this. So I was going to ask you, you know, everyone wants to, wants to know coach Christopher, who's the OC, who's the DC, who's this, who's that your staff's just as important to you. 
right? So what were, what were you looking for? Who, as you brought in these guys, what was integral to you? Coach Eaton was with you, right, at Oregon? Do I have, was, was he? Yes, was he? yes. So you guys understand each other, but as you filled out the rest of the staff, you know, everyone wants to know about the position coaches, but what's important to run it to the guys you wanted to bring into your room? You know, it's funny. It's all about, like, I was posting, like, as these guys got onboarded, like, tweeting, like, hey, this guy got hired, he's awesome, whatever. Be like, I mean, how many strength coaches do we need? You know, it's like, well, we was like, did we just used to have one, right? I'm like, no, we got, we got five, like everybody else. And uh, it's just funny because um, we start in January. Like the, the hiring process is so bonkers in this, in this industry, in, the, in, in this profession. Um, you know, they don't, the, the football coaches don't have anything to do until spring ball. I mean, yeah, there's recruiting and whatever, but like, that's when like stuff amps up for them. They're recruiting and doing a ton of stuff, but, but what I'm saying is you could bring a new guy in. for the, You could bring new people in for the next three weeks, two and a half weeks, and you'll be fine um, with football coaches. So what did I put it like the end of February? You, can, I mean, we started we started Martin Luther King Day is like the first um, training day everywhere. So it's like unless, if you don't have a staff in place for MLK Day, which we didn't, so we were operating a man down. Uh, well, two men down, actually, when we first started. Um, and, uh, you know, thankfully we have a guy on staff, uh, Victor Ishmael, who's been here, been at the program for years. I mean, phenomenal human institution. being. Institution. Uh, he's an institution. Dude, he, he's phenomenal. Uh, I mean, great human, great, great ideas. Um, you know, and I, I mean, look, I came in. And so this, to answer the question that you actually asked, I, the first thing I look for on my staff, great human being, period. I can teach anybody how to coach my system. They don't even have to understand it, which I usually bring in people who can. They don't have to understand it. They just got to be great people and they got to care about the kids. First things first, great human beings. Um, if you're not a great human being, you can't work here because um, the expectation is for you to put these, these, these young men and their futures above your own because, it, look, and I tell people this all the time, before you think I'm some like knight in shining armor just out here selflessly serving, like taking care of these kids is what takes care of us, Right. I don't care about winning football games. And I was like, oh my God, I can't believe you said, I don't care. I don't have to care about winning football games. All I have to care about is mentoring young men into being better young men, teaching how to be tough and resilient, right? And teaching them how to be great humans because great humans play better football. Tough, resilient humans play better football. And if you play better football, you do what? We win. Exactly. I don't have to choose between what's best for a, a student athlete's life and for their future and what's best for their football career or what's best for our team or what's best for the program. It's all the same. So I tell guys all the time, love or hate me, or you think I love or hate you. doesn't matter. If I love you and I care about you, I care about your family and I want what's best for you and your family. I want you to be your best so that you can fulfill all your dreams. Okay. Oh, I hate you. I'm selfish. I don't like you. I just want, I just want to get paid and I just want to make a lot of money, whatever. Cool, 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 cool. I still need you to be your best so that you can go play great football. So like, it doesn't matter what you think about me or what you think I think about you. The only goal is to help you be your best. Um, and, and that's important because, and people are always like, Oh, don't say, don't, don't talk about being selfish and don't talk about, you know, whatever. And I'm like, no, no, you need to, because some days, People are going to have a hard time believing that you're a great human being. They're going to have a hard time believing that you have their best interest at heart because of a just genuine desire to see them succeed. Trust a person's selfish side that as a team, you need everyone a part of the team to be their best. And I'm part of the team. 
I got to be my best for you to be your best. You got to be your best for me to be my best. And so like, trust that. Trust everybody's self-interest. If we want to be our best, everybody's got to be their best. And I, like, again, it's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing for people to want to be successful. Ambition is not a bad thing. What makes it a bad thing is when you do dirty stuff to fulfill your ambition. And that's why great human beings are the staple of our program, because we want people who are not going to do dirty things to get where they want to go, because you don't have to. You don't have to do that at the University of Miami. You can get the best athletes and the best coaches and the best of everything, and you can be uh, honorable and have integrity and be a great human, right? And that's one of the reasons why I went to work for Coach Chris Ball in the first place. When he offered me the job at the last place, he said, you want this job? And I said, yes. And it was because of one conversation that we had. I said, I want to do this the right way. And he said, absolutely. He's like, you don't have to cheat to recruit here. You don't have to do underhanded things to get the best players and to do the right thing. The brand sells itself, right? Well, guess what? We just came to the next place. We're at the place, the original place that sells itself. The original single letter that defines an entire game. Like, where else can you go and you could say one letter and everybody knows exactly? A letter that every other school shares, by the way. Correct. Every other school... Every other school has a you, but there's only one you. If I asked you a seven-hour question before, this is an eight-hour question. Your whole philosophy on, on caring for other people and investing in better human beings, that began where, like, where was that cultivated? What brings me joy, where I find joy, like helping other people succeed is like breathing for me. Like it's oxygen, like pouring into other people and watching them go, aha that aha moment you get when you get a guy um that empathy okay this is one of my favorite ones empathy that same mechanism in your mind that helps you see somebody struggling and say you know what i'm gonna go help that person i don't know them they don't owe me anything i'm gonna go help them because i see them struggling i want to help them that same mechanism is the same mechanism you look across the line from you say you see that guy struggling yeah this is where i'm gonna break him this is how I'm going to destroy my opponent. It's the same mechanism, right? So that, that empathy um, that, that, you, that you get by understanding other people's circumstances and other, other people's situations not only can allow you to help people in need, but can also allow you to destroy your opponent when, and find his weakest point and apply pressure. And so um, at some point, I went from being this self-centric, only concerned about myself person to seeing the joy and the, and the, and the, um, the fun of like helping other people succeed. And, and, you know, and I'll be honest with you, I did a lot of things, uh, fake it till you make it, if you will, that I, I knew good people do these things. Good people call and check on people and, and they do all this other stuff, whatever, whatever. And at some point it just became who I am instead of just this thing I was doing. Um, and I know that's crazy. People like, it's weird to even say it out loud right now, but like I, I I've become a habit of trying to be a better human being every single day. Um, and and it's, it's really helped, it's helped me recruit and retain high quality staff members. It's helped me uh, level and, and, and build relationships with, with athletes that don't have the same background and don't have the same experiences as. When they know you care about them and they know you love them, which I promise at some point we'll get to that point, um, it's a lot easier to talk to them about the hard stuff. So was there a moment 
that triggered this uh that triggered this kind of revelation mentally or emotionally or is it just was it i don't know was it your was it your wife was it was it something that spurred this on i'll just leave it at that let's put it this way i was married before and things didn't go as planned uh and somewhere at the bottom of that gutter um i looked up and i said man i gotta do things different um you're never responsible for other people's actions uh all you can do is is be the best version of yourself uh and i hadn't even attempted to be the best version of myself um for very for very many years and i said you know what i'm gonna make it a project to be the best human being i can be and somewhere along the way i became that person uh and learned how to connect and um and elevate other people and it's, it's i mean it really has been a blast man these last i've been a head strength coach now for going on five years. Um, it's been the best five years of my life. Yeah. Now also I got married recently before that and I've had a child since then. And so a lot of, there's not just the work aspect, but, but it seems to go hand in hand. When I stopped focusing on myself, things started working out for myself. It's amazing. The, the lessons. I'm sorry. Is go that ahead. at the core of the four, like the 45 day challenge, which was going to come up later, but is there something in at the core of that, that speaks to everything you've just talked about trying to help, help yeah. people? You know, the 45-day challenge, was, it really started out as um, literally just a thing. It wasn't even a challenge. It was just we would just try to get huge arms before. Like when I played football, we'd get huge arms all, all camp. Cause I, was, I would look, I was a long – I ended up being a long snapper. Like, not, the back, my, not, the, not the position I would have guessed, to be quite honest. I would not have yeah, guessed well, long so, snapper. So, I, look, I like at one point I was trying to play linebacker and what all this other stuff, I hurt my back and I just kind of got sequestered as a specialist and I fought it for years, but then I embraced it. I had more free time than anybody else on the team. All I did was buys and tries literally all the time. And so like, I felt good. Like I'm standing on the sideline, like, yeah, I might not get football and I might not play very much, but I mean, check these pythons out over here. I am jacked. (laughs) Jacked and juicy, man. So uh, yeah, so that's just kind of how it, so I just, it was a habit. I did like every day leading up to the first game, I would always do buys and try every single day. And then I got to Oregon. Uh, well, no, I take that back. I was at UAB and, and we started doing, I was like 30 days is not enough. We got to go longer. And so it just happened that the break that we had always kicked off like right before that 45 day mark. And so we just start, always started on that 45 day mark. Um, and then I got to Oregon and just all the support that I got from my fans and from everybody else. And like, I had a bunch of people like, dude, you, you, you can monetize this. You can, you can make this into a thing and you can sell shirts and you can make a lot of money. And I'm like, yeah, I probably can. But like, that just feels weird. I don't like that. I don't like, I don't like that at all. Like I didn't come here to, to leverage this situation to like put more money in my bank account. Um, but you know what, that money could, we could do something with that. So um, I grew up in a community that had a, a, an amazing special needs program. I grew up in Homewood, Alabama. Uh, and the, the, the special needs program within the whole school system is just, it is just phenomenal. People come from all over the state to be a part of that because not only do we have a great special needs program that goes all the way through high school, but, but once you hit 21 years old, you, you're no longer like, I, I think that's the, I think that's the rule. It's like, once you hit 21, you can't be a high school student anymore. And so they have, a, it's called the exceptional foundation. And it's like an adult special needs. What's the kids, there's kids there too. It's for the summer and everything, but like, it's an adult special needs program. And um, I just, 
we did stuff with our, our like I played uh, with the Special Olympics with these guys. We played soccer and um, I mean, soccer, excuse me, kickball and softball and just being involved in that all the way. You know, it's just it was just kind of a normal thing to me. And I know it's different and weird to some people. Not, not, not a bad thing, but just some people's like, I don't That's weird to me. I've never even thought about doing that, but it's just something I've done forever. And so I was like, you know what? Let me check on the Special Olympics situation here locally. And it was not good. Like there was an issue, a financial issue with the state organization. They really were in a bad place. And I said, you know what? We can can do something. So uh, over the last four years, we've been able to collect and donate over $50,000 to Special Olympics in that state and, um, you know, really helped them get their program back off the ground after a really hard financial situation. And so that's how it became what it is. And I have no problem pouring time, effort, energy into this thing. Um, that benefits Special Olympics. But like, if that had been something just for me, like I would have had a really hard time spending that amount of time and, 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 and like emotional resources to do something to like, just put more, I don't know. It just, that just doesn't sit well with me, you know? Yeah. Cause I mean, at the end of the day, you're, I mean, my face hurts sometimes watching your face contort and veins <laughs> popping and all that stuff. I mean, it's better be for a good reason. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, so let's go down another road. You mentioned earlier the replicatable blueprint that you've kind of developed with Coach Cristobal. So uh, how much have you guys – so maybe share some of the collaboration that you can share that doesn't give away the secret sauce in, inside of, you know, what you guys are doing. But how, I guess how, how, intercon- how much of this is happening with, has happened with you and him in, term, in the interconnection of the plan? Well, so I get really frustrated with other strength coaches that people always talking about job security and sport coaches don't allow sport coaches dictate blah, 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 blah. And I get really frustrated because how many of those strength coaches, and and I was one of them at one point, go to their, their sport coach and, and lay the hammer down and say, this is what I believe. Dude, I work for him. Now I report to somebody else because NCAA rules and whatever, and like it's safety and I get it. And he's that way. From a, from a like at the end of the day, like if I if something's happened I disagree with, I have to have a way to go about it from a safety standpoint. But at the end of the day, like what he wants, I'm gonna make that happen. And with it, with the, the exception of two things: one, I'm not gonna do something that is morally wrong, nor would he ask me to do that. That would never happen. But I'm also not gonna do something that I know or truly believe will, will put our kids at risk. I'm not gonna do that. He knows that about me. He knew that before he hired me. Um, and so. I, that's why I continue to follow him. That's why I'm with him is because I trust that he's not going to put me in compromising positions. But I also know that he also that if that does happen accidentally, that I'm going to step up and be like, nah, bro, like we ain't doing that. Um, and, and I will put my foot down if I have to. Thankfully, he's never put me in that position. But there have been times where he's wanted to do things that I've vehemently disagreed with. And my job as the street coach is to fight those battles the nail until the last possible moment but he knows at the end of the day when the whistle blows what he wants and the way he wants it to be is what he's going to get like i said without that caveat of putting a kid at risk or whatever um me me thinking there's a better way is different than me knowing something is is unsafe or unhealthy or whatever um and he would never know in those positions but that's why our relationship has gotten like this because he challenges me to think outside my box and he knows that i'm going to fight like heck to to not do certain things that I believe we could do a better way. Um, and he trusts me that when I disagree with him or he disagrees with me or whatever, he trusts me to do what he's asking me to do, no matter how I feel about it. That's the loyalty and the belief. I got 
I what he he'll every now and again they coach trust me you I've been doing this a long time you got to trust me and he doesn't invoke that often but when he does there's no more questions there's no more conversation because I trust him implicitly um I've never been in a situation where I had to say that to him because every time I've truly believed in something strongly he's allowed me the opportunity to convince him and show him why it needed to be that way um and and so like I've never had to just invoke the hey man I need you to trust me um, but I think if we ever got to that point, I think that like that would be a thing and we could make that work. Um, so what, does and that's he want? what does he want? What does he want from his team that you are responsible for? He wants young men who are um, self-aware, who understand. There's okay. So there's a difference between dedication and commitment. Okay. Commitment is fully understanding what you're getting yourself into and accepting all that goes with it. That's commitment. I commit to this set of things. Um, dedication is, is a form of commitment, but it's deeper. It's I'm committed no matter what that set of things. I may not fully understand what I'm getting into, but no matter what that is, I'm committed to doing it a certain way and doing it the right way. He wants young men. He wants athletes that are dedicated to the success of the program. So we always say, mental toughness is he wants mentally tough athletes and this is what i love about coach cristobal he's not going to ask somebody to do something that he can't fully define for them so one of the one of the definitions of mental toughness that i've i've worked up over the years working with him is mental toughness is not surviving one workout it's not making it through one workout mental toughness is sustaining which means to continue throughout sustaining the highest level not just any level but the highest level Sustaining the highest level of focus, dedication, and performance throughout an entire competitive calendar. All right. And so let's break that down. Sustain, continue throughout the highest level. So continuously have a high level of what? Focus. What is focus? Focus means be where your feet are. Okay. If I'm dedicated, okay, focus, dedication, and performance. Okay. If I'm if I'm focused on where I'm at, completely in the moment, okay. Dedication means no matter what that moment is. Is it a workout? Is it a lifting session? Is it a, is it a running session? Is it a practice? Is it a meeting? Is it a class? Is it a podcast? It, what, what, what am I doing that's helping the program get better? And am I dedicated no matter what that situation is to be focused on it? And then am I going to perform at a high level? See, this is the, the piece people don't understand. You can be extremely hardworking and you can outwork everybody around you and still get beat if you don't perform at a high level. And what does that mean? We ask for high performance. I don't need you to outperform your opponent every day. I need you to perform at your best every day. And not every day you're going to be at 100%. So some days your best might not be good enough to win. Okay. And that's important to note because especially if you know your best is not good enough to win. Does that make sense? Like if you know you're not going to win and so you ease off because eh, I'm not going to win this anyway, there's no room for that. That's not mentally tough. That is, that is the definition of mental weakness, okay? So we want athletes who can sustain the highest level of focus, dedication, and performance. The highest level of focus they're capable of. The highest level of dedication they're capable of. The highest level of performance they're capable of at every single moment, knowing that there's a variance in what they're going to be capable of day in and day out. That's what he wants. He wants resilient players. His definition of resiliency is, is players who are 100% all the time and they're not affected by anything. That means you give everything you have all the time, no matter what's going on. 
that's what he wants from the team. And that's my job to not only teach them what that looks like, but to show them how to get there if they haven't fully developed those, uh, those, those mental and um, those uh, attributes, like the, the characteristics of their personality and everything. My job is to develop that. So how do you, <laughs> here's the, how do you, how do you make that happen? Relentlessly every day, one step at a time by being focused, dedication, be, by being focused, dedicated and performing at a high level as, as a coach every single day. Um, everybody like it's, I'm not the weights coach. Uh, I'm not the, the workout guy. I'm not the running guy. I'm not the punishment guy. I, I'm a strength and conditioning coach. The title that we have is strength and conditioning coordinator. Why? Because you have an offensive coordinator that, that, that coordinates the offense, they handle the morale, the mindset, the identity of the offense. You have the defense coordinator that does that for this. And then you have the strength and conditioning coordinator that does that for the whole program, for everything. Bro, like, it's not just the players, man. Like, we have a standard, one culture. That's what Coach Christopher wants, one culture. We don't wear hats in the building. We don't wear hats in the training room. We don't have, wear hats in the weight room. We don't wear hats in the locker room. We don't wear hats in the building. Like, we don't wear hats. And it's not about the hat. It's about are you willing to buy into what we're doing, right? Well, guess what? That goes for the coaches, too. We're going to clean our locker room a certain way. The players' locker room, by the way, right now, I left the building about an hour and a half ago, spotless. Now, it's an older locker room. It needs updating. We're going to do that. But the locker room is spotless. There's not a piece of trash on the ground. There's not a shoe on the floor. There's not a towel wadded up in a corner. It's spotless. Guess what? So is the coach's locker room now. Why? Because one culture. And every single one of our coaches and staff members bought into that. They'd never done that before. And it was a little weird when I was like, hey, we need to clean this locker room up. This ain't it. And I, what, like, what are you talking about? And I explained it to him. This is what our locker room needs to look like. And it's not because I care what our locker room looks like, but because that's the standard we set for the players. So why are we going to ask the players to hold a standard that we're not going to hold ourselves? So again, you ask me, like, how do I do that? I do it by getting everybody in the program on the same page. Um, I went and had a conversation with, with Dan Radakovich. I said, hey, I know you just got here, and I know none of that stuff in your locker is yours, but there's a ton of shoes underneath that locker, and there's a ton of clothes that are kind of piling out of that locker, and this is the way we're going to do our locker. And he's like, absolutely, I'll take care of it today. And we're talking from the AD down. The locker room is now spotless. Why? Because it matters. Pride. Pride in your space. How are you supposed to have pride in, in your job and your tasks if you don't even have pride in the place that you sit to change your shoes? You know what I'm saying? And so, like, that's where we started. You know what's crazy? I expected to have a much bigger – like, when I walked into the locker room here, the, the way the, – the cleanliness of that locker room – and it wasn't, like, dirty. Like, we have great our, – our custodial staff uh, – dude, I – I spilled something, went to look for somebody to help ask to help them to help me clean it up. And by the time I came back, it was already gone. Like I never even saw anybody. So like we have great people in the building. And so it's clean. It was just disorganized and it was just like uh, cluttered. And I really thought I was going to have an issue with this um, because I've been in places before. I've been at places before that didn't take pride in their space, no matter how nice it was. And it was like, wow, like, but these guys are buying, they understand pride in your space. It starts with pride in your space. Uh, Alan, and I I've know heard you talking about. No, 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 I've, but I've heard you talk. So I've, I, I do as much research as I can. And I've heard you talk before about an aspect of this that leads me to this is that inside of all that, you will plant seeds of leadership. Absolutely. Because, and, and you just nailed it. Because if you're willing to check your teammate about the trash on the floor in his locker, and it's not about yelling, it's like, hey, bro, you, uh, 
I know you're, you're leaving. So I just, did you mean like, were you coming back for that? Or did you, did you leave that there? And then, Oh man, my bad. I didn't even think about it. And they grab it. That's leadership. And if guys get used to being checked by you in the locker room, the guys get used to, um, if they get used to, um, to being like, to listen to you and, and, and be reminded, but like, what are they going to do on the field? Things go wrong. They're going to look at you. You don't get to just be a leader on game day when, when stuff gets hard. You don't get to just be a leader in practice when, it, when it's hot outside and everybody's struggling. You're like, come on, guys, we can do it. Like, that's not where you build leadership. You build leadership by looking somebody in the eye when they're leaving junk in their locker room. And, hey, bro, you left trash in your locker. I need you to throw that away. And it's not, hey, would you mind? No, it's like, you need to do this. Like, people want to backpedal in this stuff. Like, if it's not good enough, it's okay to look at somebody and say, hey, that's not good enough. Hey, we don't do that here. Hey, don't be that guy. That's not mean. That's just facts. And so teach our guys how to go to the facts and how to be, be like straightforward. You don't have to apologize for holding people accountable. Now, don't be a jerk about it. But like you're not a jerk just because you ask somebody to do what they're supposed to do. Right. No, no doubt. Um, I think I don't know what people would think. Um, what they were going to get from this, from you, from what they've seen on social media, right? And I've, 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 like I said, I've listened to a lot of your stuff, so I know there was a, there was a lot of depth here. Uh, and the reason why I bring that up now is because you had mentioned in, an, in another interview, and I think people might understand it from hearing this, that, you know, yes, you're the strength and conditioning coordinator, but it's not just about, like, weights and reps and whatnot. That this, you said that there's a much greater intellectual process to programming that room that's beyond just like and let's you know get all big and meathead meatheady i think is the meatheadery might have been the word <laughs> phrase you used well i will say this bigger biceps make you better at everything that's just a scientific fact and anybody disagrees with that come do curls with me okay but aside from that um yeah i mean like there's everything that you do in the weight room has to serve a purpose or it's just wasted time so I always tell people all the time that every weight room weighs a lot, right? You, like you can like move your furniture around your house in a day, you know, like whatever. Cool. I moved the living room. I switched the living room around. Well, <laughs> we walked in the door here. We moved the whole weight room around and it took us about 36 hours over the course of 48 hours to get it done with six people. Uh, everything weighs a ton and like, but it was like, it had to get done. And it's like, you don't waste that energy. Like we didn't just say, Hey, let's see what that looks like over there. Oh no, a little to the left. No, a little to the right. No, we sat there. We said, where does this need to go? How does this function from? What does this weight room need to look like? We mapped it out. And we did it. That's how the work in the weight room goes too. We don't just be like, mm, you know, I think we'll do some curls today. And maybe we'll do some back squats. I don't know. Hey, you guys, what do you guys think about doing some, uh, some box step ups? Is that, would that be good with you guys that we don't do that? We, we meticulously plan the training sessions weeks and months in advance. Uh, we're a little behind right now because of transition. Like we already had everything planned, you know, through next August. Well, now you come into a new space with a new team, you got to onboard. So like, we're kind of, a, we're a little bit behind, but this time next year, we'll be rolling on the plan that's going through August. Uh, and we'll just adjust it week in and week out as it goes, as the team needs it. But, you know, it's meticulous and it has to be. Uh, I'm not the most organized person in the world. I, I'll be the first to tell you that. But when it comes to the programming, that's like, that's, I pour all of my energy and effort in it. Uh, what organizational skills that I have into that. So like everything else can just survive on its own because that's all I've, that's the only capacity I have for organization. I've got dates, times, everything is just completely meticulous. And 
and it's literally like that's everywhere what, else in my life lacks that. When you're on this, when Ron, you're on this next year, I'm just going to pull out random dates of a calendar. I'm just going to be like, June 8th, what are we doing? And you better answer it with no cheating. Well, June 8th would be the first week of off season. It depends on if it's a Saturday. I'd have to look at a calendar, but if I can look at a calendar. I can tell you exactly what we're going to be doing. I can tell you that right now. I don't even, I don't know. What June 8th? Let me, let me pull this calendar up real quick. Nice. June 8th is a, it is a Wednesday. So we'll be doing split jerk progression, some form of box mode deadlift. We'll be doing uh, mid thigh pulls. So we'll do eight sets of, of pulls. Like, so we'll have four sets that'll be from the floor, four sets that'll be from the pins. Um, Cause this isn't our strength phase, it's phase two for us. And, and so what happened is we'll have buckets by then. We'll know which guys are deficient at force, or which guys are deficient at power, which guys are somewhere in the middle and we'll put them in buckets. So the guys that are deficient at force will do all their pulls from the floor. So all eight sets will be from the floor. The guys who are deficient um, at, or not deficient, the guys who have uh, uh, enough force uh, production, we're going to work on their, their max peak power, their peak power. So they'll be doing all mid thigh pulls. And then the guys that are somewhere in the middle will do half and half. Um, and that'll be like the meat of the program that they will have guys pulling, you know, 120, 130% of what their normal uh, power clean number is on these pulls. Um, and so we're working on, again, strength for the guys who need it and then the ability to produce power for the guys who need that. So that will be June 8th. All right. You mentioned phase two. So what is phase one, phase two and phase three? Yeah, I assume you're in phase one now, but lay it out for us. The first phase is hypertrophy. We're coming off a long season. Dudes are beat up. The guys that are healthy are beat up, like our shoulders are sore, their backs are sore, whatever. we got to build some fundamental size, mass and strength back in, in into the because uh, we spend the whole season and mostly in a power uh, being explosive and, and being um, being twitchy. And so we got to build some of that size and build some of that volume back up. So but we only have have seven weeks before spring ball so we spend a couple weeks doing hypertrophy and then the next four to five weeks we spend transitioning from max effort strength into explosive power all the while the conditioning work goes from intro to uh, change of direction intro to acceleration and deceleration and kind of progresses into like football specific movements uh, in the spring ball spring ball lift is, is going to be more of an in-season style lift but we have to lift harder because the whole point of spring ball is to simulate a season only way to simulate a 15-week season and five weeks of spring ball is to lift pretty heavy. We have to do that being cognizant of, of people's hamstrings, groins, hip flexors, and everything like that. Because if we, again, we're trying to simulate 15 weeks in five weeks, and if we overdo it, guys get hurt. So it's really important that we, we monitor and manage those loads uh, in the weight room and on the field. Phase two is a pure strength phase. Um, we're coming out of spring ball. We're gonna we're gonna uh, regress a lot of our conditioning and change the direction stuff. We do what we call intro to COD, where we're literally just working on change of direction. We're quantifying um, every rep that we take, how many cuts we're doing, how many yards we're running, uh, how many ground contacts we're having in speed school, and then um, and then, um, uh, the change of direction work that we do, fourth quarter stuff that we do, uh, and then uh, and but in the weight room we're focused on just being as strong and moving as much weight as humanly possible. Okay, now. When we get out of phase two, we'll go in like um, into uh, July 4th week. It, sometimes it's weird. Sometimes it doesn't uh, like sometimes July 4th actually falls outside of the little gap that we have. You have four weeks of phase two and then four weeks of phase two, which is all about being explosive and getting ready for football. Uh, phase three will involve a lot more um, player led uh, activities where they're going to go out and throw the football and stuff. Once uh, the coaches, we all go inside. And they stay out there. They throw the ball and, and kind of get ready for football. And then we start camp. Um, after that so the the whole year if you look at the whole year from january to august 
is a larger version of phase one. And phase one is just really a condensed version of the entire year, just getting us ready from, from the end of the season to the beginning of spring ball.